Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, in, right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your presenter on Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is an incredible privilege uh, to be able to share with you uh, once again. Now, look, folks, this uh, week we're following the theme, God is good. How God led me. Now, look, I really appreciated all that uh, Pastor Joseph was able to share uh, yesterday. Uh, and today, uh, we actually have my illustrious uh, co-host. He's going to be sharing how God has led in his life. You know, one of the things I'm just so conscious of is that God is a person who throughout the Scriptures has given incredibly great and precious promises. And the more I read those promises, uh, the more I see them functioning in people's lives the more I stand in awe at the good things that are uh, that have actually taken place. Now, of course, today uh, our co-host, uh, our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. Now, Brenton is pastor of the uh, southeast region of South Australia. Uh, that's um, Mount Gambia, Millicent, Rendlesham, Narracourt, a huge district down you down there. Welcome to you, Brenton. Thank you, Gary. Pleasure to be on again. It's fantastic to have you uh, uh, have you back again. We're nearing the end of another year. How's, we your, are. how's your preparation going for your move back to Adelaide? Uh, well, if you looked at my book, bookcase and if the um, listeners could see my uh, library at the moment, <clears throat> I've got about a dozen, uh, probably about ten boxes of books packed and there would probably be at least another 20 boxes to go, I would say. So what I'm sorting out is what do I bring back to Adelaide with me? What do I not need? Maybe I can put those in an op shop, or uh, I've even had some of the ministers from down here in Mount Gambier offer to, oh, come and have a look at some. At some of those books? Yes, and look at some of those books. Yeah, no, look, I, I find every time that I've, I've moved, it's always been an incredible opportunity to yes. downsize, sort and repack. And, uh, we, we actually haven't moved house for a few years now. And I'm, uh, I'm fearful of the day that we ever have to move out of the house that we're in. Yeah. So, uh, Brenton, look, let's come to, um, uh, come to our world, uh, world religious, uh, news. Now, uh, look, uh, I was looking at, uh, uh, Premier, uh, uh, Premier Christian News, which is the, uh, main, uh, uh, uh news site over in the, uh, UK. And, uh, they just shared this morning that, uh, the most popular Bible verse of 2022 has just been uh, revealed by m- one of the major Bible uh, websites. Now, really? I, th- I I found this to be an absolutely amazing uh, little uh, little article, and I really I really right. appreciate it. But <clears throat> just, just just let me share it with you. You sure. version uh, has kept up its tradition of announcing its most popular verse of the year amongst Bible the Bible app uh, users. Uh, the scripture that 
people shared, bookmarked and highlighted most in 2022, almost feel like a drum roll here, was Isaiah 41.10. And this is, really? uh, this is the verse. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help yep. you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah 41.10. Uh, the founder and CEO of Uversion said, the popularity of this verse speaks uh, to our desire to be reminded that uh, even when we feel like we're alone in our struggles, we're not. As this verse says, God is our strength. He's always with us. The Bible app has also seen an increase in engagement in almost every country since 2008. Uh, Cuba has shown the most improvement with an increase of 76% more engagement than last year. Other statistics for 2022 include the app being opened by 5.5 billion uh, billion times and 2.3 billion highlights, bookmarks and notes were created. Meanwhile, 550 million Bible verses were shared and 303 million app searches were done. Uversion also pointed out how the war in Ukraine impacted engagement in the Bible app. It said as Ukrainians began to flee to neighbouring countries, the app's Ukrainian language Bible engagement spiked in many of the countries by triple digits. Poland saw a 241% increase, while in Germany saw a 733% increase. These families are going through, through something that most of us can't imagine. In the middle of what's likely to be the most difficult time of their lives, they're turning to the Bible for comfort, peace and hope. It's an honour uh, that we get to be part of making God's word available uh, to his people in the greatest moments of need. Overall engagement rose by 55% in Ukraine with trending terms uh, in the language at the beginning of the war, including war, fear, anxiety. Now, nine months on from the commencement of the war, the top search term in the Ukrainian language is the word love. The Bible app has more than 545 million installs worldwide. Now, Brenton, as I read that, I sort of thought, hey, that's a, uh, that really says something to me because... It uh, certainly does. Uh, yeah. it, uh, tell me what you think. I mean, this um, the the favourite verse uh, and uh, uh, this Isaiah forty one ten Isaiah forty one ten comes from the Old Testament. Now uh, that's sort of a little bit surprising because I would have thought that uh, certainly in uh, in countries um, certainly of the the West, uh, a verse from the New Testament would have been more popular. But do yeah. you th- do you think that the Old Testament is you know, do you think it's underrated by many contemporary believers? I mean, the- I, I, I think it is because some of the best promises I was only reading before we came on the air, uh, Psalm 34 and Psalm 37, there's some wonderful promises in there. And if I could encourage our listeners to look at both those Psalms, Psalms 34 and Psalm 37, 
um, there are promises in just about every second or third verse. Um, I, I think we devalue, not only devalue the scriptures, but we need to remember one thing. Uh, Jesus, when he was uh, preaching or giving that Bible study on the road to Emmaus to the two disciples on the day of his resurrection, what yeah. did he quote from? The Old Testament. Yeah. It says, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, mm. he began and expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm. I, th- I think we would do an injustice. Uh, the Old Testament speaks to the New Testament, and I, it's, I'm not totally surprised that people are using uh, texts like Isaiah 41.10 in times of stress, although you would have thought that maybe John 14, John 16, some of these play, uh, uh, sections that talk about peace might have been fairly high on the agenda. Yeah, yeah. No, that's certainly that's certainly so very, very true. You know, one of the things I'm just really conscious of is that often uh, people actually miss the fact that the Bible of Jesus' day was in fact what we call the Old Testament. So when Jesus went yes. to the synagogue, yeah. what they were yeah. reading from was what we would call that Old Testament. And so to yes. the, so right. de- to depreciate this particular um, portion of the Bible, as certainly I know some do, uh, is is I believe incredibly problematical. Um, mm. But look, mm. an- another issue there. Look, the, the the other issue you've got is, and this is a particularly relevant one, particularly uh, as you look through what you've been doing this year. If you discount the Old Testament uh, significantly. All of the major prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled in the New Testament time all beyond down to our day. Now, if you take all of those out of the equation, most of the prophecies in the Old Testament are meaningless. Indeed, indeed. That's a good point. Uh, Why would Christ quote from them to show that he had fulfilled certain things? Mm, mm. And uh, when you look at the book of John, as you know, from uh, uh, the book of Revelation rather, as we all know, those of us who have studied it, we know that the great bulk of Revelation, something like about 75% of it, comes directly from the Old Testament. Indeed. A lot of it is from the books Isaiah and Ezekiel, Indeed. along with Daniel. And in understanding the Old <clears throat> Testament, you actually come to understand the uh, the New Testament. But look, Brent, yes. one, one, yes, thing I'm, one thing I'm conscious of is that the article makes a point of highlighting the rise of the Bible use, particularly in Ukraine. Now, look, why do you think people in trouble, war, disaster, appear to be um, more willing to spend time in Bible reading than maybe those of us that are just cruising through life? Uh, It's a very good question. Having been to that part of the world, and I'm going to touch on that when we get into things a little bit further along, I've been actually spent a significant amount of time in Moldova, which is also being affected by the Ukraine-Russian war. So I'm following this conflict with a great deal of interest, having been to that part of the world. Um, The people over there are what I would describe as... um, they're religious, even though they had communism, um, it wasn't able to stamp out Christianity completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems to me that turning to the word of God for comfort is more natural, shall we say, to them than unfortunately it is for Australians. Mm. Uh, Australians handle uh, crises and that sort of thing. We have a term mateship 
you know, we all need to band together. There's been a flood, there's been a fire, there's mm-hmm. um, been a bad road accident, whatever, whatever, whatever. And mateship, there's nothing wrong with mateship, but you don't hear a lot in the Australian media about how people have been flooding back to church as a result of the floods and and the calamities that Australia has been going through at the present stage. Mm. Will that change um, in the foreseeable future? I doubt it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you never know. We can only pray that maybe Australians will realise that we too are living in difficult times and we need God in our lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, to me, the thing that amazes me is that, well, it doesn't amaze me, I've sort of seen it time and time again in my ministry, is often uh, people uh, come to Christ, come to the uh, to look at the big picture that the Scriptures do paint, but they often do it when they're facing a crisis in their life. Yes, yes, that's true. And, you know, increasingly this is something that, uh, you know, why it is is that, you know, why is it that as, you know, humanity, uh, we tend to only start looking at the big questions at those times when we're facing difficulty ourselves. I think it's a, uh, I think this is a huge issue. I take my hat off to certainly to those people in Ukraine who are coming, uh, who are turning back, uh, to the word of God to look at for the, mm. for the power of a supernatural God. They know mm. that, you know, any day, could bring the you know their own death you know the death of a of a loved one. Oh, very very easily. Um, the, the important problem though, from an Australian perspective, if you want to bring that in, is so many Australians today have no knowledge of the Bible whatsoever. Yeah. So if you're going to ask them to turn to God, where, where do you send them? Which yeah. part of the Bible do you send them to? Yeah. Who do you send them to so that they can get to know who God is for themselves on a personal basis? Yeah. I think they're some of the questions we face in this postmodern society that we call Australia. I think you bring out a very good point there. I think that's a very powerful issue and one that certainly does need to be addressed. In fact, we might deal with that particular issue uh, in one of our early programs next next year. It is it is important. I think it would be worth exploring for sure. Yeah. Look, let's come back to some uh, some music. Please enjoy uh, sure. this song. Uh, this is uh, Faith First, Where There Is Faith, uh, Love, uh, the thoughts that are expressed uh, in uh, in these lyrics.
there is faith, there's peace, <laughs> like a child sleeping. What better picture could anybody uh, possibly, possibly draw? Uh, love that uh, particular song, Faith First, Where There Is Faith. Uh, now, folks, look, we do have a, a giveaway book uh, for you for you today. Uh, this is a real beauty. Uh, now, of course, this week we're talking about changed lives. We're looking about, we're talking into each of our presenters, a number of our presenters, just simply saying to them, how has God led in your life? Look, have you ever thought that uh, perhaps uh, you would like uh, Jesus Christ to be living in your life. Uh, look, uh, if you've often thought uh, that, but you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, then why don't you give him a go? Why don't you give him a go? This week we've got uh, a number of our presenters just simply just sharing the way God's led in their lives. Now, this book is exactly like that. This book's entitled Changed for Life, Real Lives in a Real World. And uh, the back cover says this, uh, life is unfair. We learn that as children. And the truth is it doesn't always get better. Do you ever wonder why some people seem to do so well in spite of suffering? Why some people find their life purpose through tragedy? Uh, why, uh, when you look at your own life, it's just a, is it a mess? How can others do it? Change for life will show you how. This is the incredible story of eight people who faced the same problems that many of us face right now. And you'll find your story written between the lines. Change for life. Now, this is a real ripper. This isn't just authored by one person. It's the sort of book that you might like to read uh, for your devotional time. Uh, stories uh, that where people have been lifted up uh, by uh, coming to Jesus Christ and relying on, on faith. Now, look, if you'd like a copy of Changed for Life, uh, why don't you just text us? Now, our studio text number is 04 triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and all you need to do is to text us um uh, this week's uh, code number which is sa eighty four sa eight four no gap between any of those letters just sa eighty four and uh, that'll go directly to our robot and uh, our robot he'll make contact with you no human's going to uh, pester you uh, he'll get a few details off you your uh, your name your address so that this book can come to you in the fastest a possible way. The book again, Change for Life, a real little uh, devotional ripper. It's uh, it's a fantastic uh, book. 04888-80811 is our number and SA84 is the code. We'd love to send you uh, this uh, this particular book. So uh, please, folks, feel free to uh, uh, to request that. Uh, this will be one of the last offers for uh, uh, for this uh uh, for this year. And now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, a big Q&A with, uh, with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. Now Brenton is the pastor of, uh, uh the Seventh-day Adventist churches in the southeastern region of South Oz. Uh, that's Mount Gambia, Millicent, Rendlesham. This is a fantastic, uh, little area. He's just going to be moving back to, uh, to Adelaide at the end of, uh, uh, at the end of this year. Uh, but this week we're following the theme God is good, how God 
led me. And uh, what we're uh, asking each of our uh, each of our presenters is to tell us something about their journey with God. Has God been good? In their life now, uh, now Brenton, look, I'm just wondering, can can you um, maybe help us out? You know, how has God worked in your life? I mean, have you always been a a, a Christian? Were you brought up a Christian? Uh, you know, have there been any hard times in, in your life? Just share with us. Sure, sure, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I was brought up as a Christian. I was brought up in a Christian home where we went to church uh, every Saturday and um, we had Sabbath school, which for many uh, of our listeners is the equivalent to Sunday school. We also uh, had morning worship um, each day with my parents. I had one brother and one sister. I'm the oldest one in the family. And our home was... Uh, I would con- uh, describe it as a stable, happy home. And yet, uh, for all of that, my brother went off the rails very significantly, got involved in drugs and crime and all sorts of other things. I could just take a whole uh, a whole drive time on uh, what my brother got up to. We're not here for that purpose. We're here to yeah. discuss God's leading in our lives. Put a tremendous strain on my father and mother and also on myself and my sister to probably a greater extent because uh, when Groutley was really starting to kick over the traces, I had actually gone off to our church college in uh, New South Wales, and after that I got married and we sort of went from there. Look, I God's leading in your life. Sometimes you have people on, Gary, who have almost a Damascus Road experience. I'm not of that category, and I suspect that the bulk of people who follow God's leading in their lives, it's not necessarily all about mountain peak experiences. Before you go on, a a Damascus Road experience, that's where God just blindingly hits you (laughs) and knocks you off your horse. Yeah. Yeah, basically, um, maybe I should explain. In Acts chapter 9, Paul, uh, who we knew was Saul in those days, was out to get the Christians in uh, Damascus. He was headed that way, and God stopped him in his tracks. There was a blinding light, and a voice from heaven said, Why are you persecuting me? He fell to the ground, and basically after that, he was a changed man. He changed from being Mm. Paul the persecuted to the greatest apostle this world has ever seen. Um, I I didn't have any uh, experience like that. I grew up, as I'll say, in a... Probably, Gary, I would consider it a fairly sheltered church environment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when I left home and uh, went to firstly to our church college, then I worked in Sydney for a while. Then I started to work for the government here in South Australia, and uh, we can share a little bit of that a bit further on. But basically, I think you need to how, – how can I put it this way? I think sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone Mm. in order for God to reveal to you what he wants you to do. Mm. Uh, I was told early in the piece that the two things that I would probably be best at, believe it or not, uh, was probably a speech writer or a policeman. (laughs) Now, here I am a minister of the gospel with four churches to look after. So God does lead in specific ways, and I will come to that maybe a little bit further on as to how God led me into ministry. 
But I would describe my experience of um, the Lord leading is read the word of God, believe his promises just as they are written, and ask him to lead you day by day. There's a very good book uh, that I read many years ago called How to Know God's Will in Your Life, written by a guy called Morris Wendon. Mm -hmm. You may have have Mm. heard of the book yourself. Um, It's based on also, to some degree, a book about a guy called George Mueller. Now, some some of our listeners may have heard of George Mueller. George Mueller was a man of prayer, if ever there was one. And uh, some of the material in there is very, very um, challenging. But uh, I believe that um, as I've grown older and as I have gone long in my Christian experience, whilst there hasn't been any of these shall we say, spectacular interventions of God in my life. It has been a steady journey, but it's a journey that's steadily going upwards, I Mm. believe, not steadily Mm. going downwards. Mm. And I suspect that many people who are seeking to know the Lord and those who do know the Lord probably have a similar experience to mine. They don't have any gut-wrenching, sudden uh, experiences where God really intervenes in their lives. They read the word of God, they pray, they put their trust in God and they go about their business and God guides them. There's uh, one of the things I would say that I would recommend for all, all of our listeners and ourselves to do is this. Ask God to give you divine appointments. I had a divine appointment the other morning. I got up Sunday morning, Gary, mm. went to the gym. Haven't been to the gym for a little while. And I met a gentleman there whose father has uh, got cancer. Mm. He's had his stomach removed and now it's got into his bladder. And here he is sitting at the leg press machine and I'm having prayer with him. Mm. <laughs> and when I came home, I said to my wife, I've just had a divine appointment. Yeah. <laughs> God yeah. organises those. If you want to see a divine appointment, read uh, John chapter 4. And ask for it. <laughs> and ask for it. Ask for a divine appointment. Yeah. In fact, I would challenge our listeners to ask for a divine appointment. Say, yeah. Lord, I'm, as Isaiah said, here my Lord, send me. Mm. Ask for that type of thing, and I believe God will guide you to people who you can make a difference in their lives in the sense of, number one, leading them to Jesus, but number two, helping them to know Jesus better if they already know him to some degree. Mm. So, Bren, let, let, me, let me just ask you then. I think it's really important. Mm. Uh, I, I really appreciate what you're actually saying here because uh, so many people, uh, you know, I, I haven't had something that's knocked me off my he- my my horse. Therefore, they sometimes doubt that, you know, hey, have I really had this conversion experience? But uh, you're saying that uh, you've never had been knocked off your horse, so to so to speak, by, you know. Basically, the- I, would, I would say that. I don't. I don't have any uh, wonderful testimony that I can get up in church and give, but I can give a testimony to the fact that I believe God has led me, is continuing to lead me, and it's a steady path that, um, well, we're going through a situation at the moment um, down here where we're packing to go back to Adelaide and we're not sure who's going to take my place down here. Mm. All of those things are in God's hands. Yeah. And uh, I believe that he is leading and guiding and that he will sort the problem out. I'm 100% convinced on on all of these matters. I I think God wants us to get to the point where rather than being like um, churlish children, uh, always asking questions why, starting with why, we accept that if we place ourselves in God's hands, 
he's promised that he will lead us and he will lead us in the direction that we are willing to, that we would want to go, Gary, yeah. if we knew the end from the beginning. One thing we need to remember, when you pray to God, you're praying to someone who already knows everything. Mm-hmm. He knows the end from the beginning, unlike ourselves. So we can pray for what we think is best, but God may see that it is not the best and therefore he will do what's what's best in the situation. I think what we need is what I call spiritual spectacles that we can put on and actually say, yes, I can see God's leading and guiding in that. I asked for this and I got that. But as I reflect on it, I think I can see that God has been leading all the way through because he and his always way knows what's best for me. Brenton. My my part is to trust. My part is to trust and then move forward. Brenton, I, I'm really conscious that you know our time is getting getting away, and I, I, yep. I, I'm conscious that uh, you you've certainly grown up in a uh, in a Christian family. Sure. Uh, you've, you've moved over to uh, uh, to Sydney where you where you studied, and yet I'm conscious that uh, you know you then um, moved um, you know moved uh, well. You worked into secular employment for many, many uh, years. Yes, I did. And then, can can you fill us in a little bit? And uh, you know how, and particularly, yes. how did you how did you get called into gospel ministry? ministry? I mean, yeah. that one's yeah, one no, that will no, intrigue no, I can, you. I can, I can share that one with you. Uh, I did spend a significant amount of time in. Um, in private, uh, no, actually in public sector employment. Mm -hmm. Um, In the year 2009, uh, I was working for the South Australian Government in the Department for Transport, Energy and Infrastructure. My job was to buy people's properties uh, to build roads. So you could imagine that um, (laughs) we met some interesting characters. I could probably write a book about some of the people I've met. I'd have to change the names, but anyway... Um, every time you drive into Adelaide, anybody who comes from interstate or the southeast like ourselves and travels to Adelaide, travels down the southeast freeway. Mm-hmm. And when they come from Crafers, they come down through the tunnels into Adelaide. Mm-hmm. We did all the land acquisition work mm-hmm. uh, where that uh, construction took place. Mm-hmm. In 2009, I, I had been the senior elder of a church um, that you pastored and that I was in at the time for close to 20 years. Mm. Now, during that time, people had been saying to me that I should uh, become a minister. They obviously saw um, maybe some gifts or some possibilities in, in my life that they felt that needed further developing. My answer to that was I have a mortgage on a house and unless God opens the way, for me to pay off the mortgage, I can't see my way clear going into ministry. Mm. Now, at the beginning of 2009, uh, the government put out what's called a TVSP, Targeted Voluntary Separation Package. They offer these, Gary, from time to time, mm. um, not only in South Australia but others. They, they, they keep culling the public service. Mm. And <clears throat> I put my hand up one for one for a TVSP in the beginning of January. Now, Come June 30, I still hadn't heard anything further about this, and I was asking my manager, and not only my line manager, but also the manager of our section, the property section, what's happening, Um, you know, has my application for TVSP uh, been accepted, refused, and all they were saying is, no, 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 it's it's, it's still ongoing, but... (laughs) 
to cut a long story short, it got to September of 2009. Mm. Now, my wife came and picked me up from work on a Friday afternoon. Uh, I used to work in the old highways department building in Adelaide, the big oh. H. Uh, some people who were listening would, would know that building. It's now used as units called Watson on Walkerville or something, oh. I think. Mm. Um, Lurleen said to me, she said, dear, I don't think you're going to get your TVSP. Now, what I had been praying about during the year is, Lord, if you want me to go into ministry, you're going to have to open the way for me to go in because I can't afford to not work. Um, I've got a mortgage that I have to pay off. Mm. And I felt that age-wise I was getting to the point where I, I could ill afford to spend shall we say, another four or five years at some theological co college studying. Mm, mm. I felt that the best thing to do was to move straight into ministry mm. if that's what God wanted. Now, <clears throat> this was on the Friday. On the following Tuesday, I think it was, we were told that if you haven't heard by the following Tuesday or Wednesday, you can take it that you've been unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. Now, four people in our section put in for a TVSP. Friday evening, we went home, we opened Sabbath, we were kneeling um, together in prayer, Lurleen and I. I must admit, Gary, I was a little bit despondent. Mm. I sort of felt that, well, <laughs> where do we go from here if they knock me back? Mm. And uh, at about 7.30, there was a knock on the door. It was a government courier with two packages. And I just went inside, knelt down and said, thank you, Lord, because this was the offer that the government was making to me. It wasn't a huge sum of money. I'm not going to quote the figure, but it was enough to pay off my mortgage. Mm. And as you know, um, I began ministry on January 1, 2010. Mm. And uh, do I have any doubts that God was leading me into ministry? None whatsoever. The other four people who put in for TVSBs didn't get them. And I heard subsequently that my... Uh, just after June 30, when they were reviewing them, they knocked me back because I was considered to be in what they called an essential area of the government. And um, a little bit further down the track, apparently as they were reviewing the finances, they said, you've got to drop 250000 off your budget. And apparently someone said, well, we got Bretton Wilkinson here. He wants a TVSP. And so that's the way I worked it out. God often answers prayers at the 11th and a half hour. Mm. Now, I don't know whether we've stressed that in our programs this year, but if you don't appear to be getting an instant answer, don't give up hope. I never gave up hope, but I must admit that I thought God is leaving us to the last possible moment. <laughs> <laughs> to get, As you know, I began ministry on January 1, 2010. Mm -hmm. Do I have any doubts whatsoever that God was leading me into ministry? None whatsoever. And you've really I'm had 12... You've had 12 years in Yeah, this, uh, in, is, my in 13th, this is my 13th year in ministry. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. Brendan, that's the sort of thing that to me, I, I look at and I say, hey, it is amazing the way God leads when a person is actually praying and saying, Lord, you're the one who has to open and close the doors. You know, I'm incapable of being, yes. you know, there are yes. blockages there. Uh, you know, I mean, yes. some people don't have the education. Some people don't have the, uh, you know, the finance. Uh, other people might have health issues. You know, there's all manner of, uh, of issues yeah. that every single person uh, faces. And yet, uh, when you actually uh, put it, and I've 
seen this time and time again. When you put something into the hands of God, he's the one who appears to be able to open and close the doors in a way that simply uh, we wouldn't have thought possible uh, if you uh, uh, if you actually weren't uh, a person of faith. That is true, Gary. Um, I, I think we need to recognise that God does have his own timetable and he does have his own way of working things out. Look, during that period, one of my key texts that uh, I would like to share is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and mm. you know it well. Mm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That was mm. a, a promise for me back then. I've had others since regarding peace, you know, John sixteen thirty-three. Um, I'm telling you these things so that in me you might have peace in this world. You will have tribulation. It's rather interesting. Uh, the literal word for the tribulation is pressure. In this world you will have pressure, yeah. but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's that's one of my very favourite promises, uh-huh. along with Proverbs three five and six, and also Second Corinthians five twenty one. He ha- he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, yeah, that's- that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That is right up there with John three sixteen in my books. Yeah, indeed, indeed, it is. Look, Brent, let's come to some uh, uh, some sure. music. Uh, this yeah. is uh, uh, this is a, a fantastic. This is a hymn of the uh, of the Christian faith. Great is thy faithfulness, because indeed oh, I believe this is exactly uh, what is the uh, uh, reality. Certainly, in your experience, and I know in the experience of so many uh, of our uh, of our listeners. Please enjoy. She reads truth. Great is thy faithfulness. Please enjoy.
song that really that really is one of the great hymns of the uh, Christian faith. Uh, um, great is thy faithfulness. I uh, I know that uh, in my life that's certainly been the story of uh, of my life. It's something that I have uh, have really really come to appreciate. And uh, if ever somebody says to me, uh, what what's one of your favorite uh, favorite hymns? Uh, that is uh, right near the very top of the list uh, because it certainly replicates my experience. Uh, now, of course, today we're talking about uh, talking with uh, Brenton Wilkinson from the uh, uh, southeast of uh, South Australia, our church pastor uh, in the Mount Gambier region, and uh, he's sharing us about the way God has been faithful in in his life. Now, look, folks, we do have a fantastic book that we're giving away this life this uh, this week, Change for Life. Real lives in a real world. Life is unfair uh, is one of the uh, uh, statements of this book. Uh, and indeed it is to so many people. Uh, life is uh, unfair. And yet uh, so many uh, are able to uh, find a way through it. And uh, the subtitle of this book, Change for Life, Real Lives in a Real World. How have these, this is the story of eight individuals and how Christ uh, changed uh, their situations in spite of the difficulties they were uh, they were facing. Uh, I believe this is an incredibly powerful book. Now, look, if you'd like this book, Change for Life, all you need to do is to text us 04888. 80811 04888808811 and in the your text just put the code SA uh, SA what is our code today SA84 and uh, we will uh, uh, that'll go directly to our robot and he'll make uh, ask you a few questions get some information off you so that we can send this book to you in the fastest possible way SA84 20488 uh, 808-11. Now, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is, of course, Brenton Wilkinson. Brenton is the pastor of the Southeast Regional Churches uh, here in uh, here in South Oz. Now, uh, Brenton, we've got about uh, uh, just on about 10 minutes uh, before we uh, uh, get to the top of the hour. Uh, do you uh, uh, c- can you share something else? You know, how, how have you seen God uh, move uh, in your life, maybe even um, after your uh, uh, move into ministry? Well, can I share something that happened before yeah, sure. I moved into ministry? Um, I, I can touch on both, I think, in the time that we've got. I, in, um, yeah, earlier on in the program, I did mention that I'd gone to Moldova. Now, back in 1996, I went with a minister friend of mine, Pastor Ray Stanley, who I think you probably know. Yeah, very good. Uh, we went over there and we, we ran a uh, program a Bible program. Now, I want listeners to really get, a, get a, an idea of this. This is 1996. Communism in that country fell, so to speak, in 1991. This is five years after communism fell. Mm-hmm. Now, we ran a Bible program there and uh, quite a number of people, in fact, in the hundreds, uh, of people came to know Jesus as their personal saviour and mm-hmm. accepted him. One of the most touching uh, things that happened to me over there is I, f- I realised how poor these people are. And if you look at Moldova today, 
even in 2022 and uh, look at their gross income and all the rest of it. They're either the poorest country in Europe or one of the poorest. Yes. And they're sort of caught in this meat between the sandwich where it's actually enshrined in their constitution, Gary. So I was reading that. So they're neither pro Moscow nor pro NATO. Uh, which puts them in a fairly difficult situation because you've got a, a war going on just next door. Yeah. But um, when we were there, I I had a life-changing experience. Mm. This is more, um, it, it, it was a change in the sense that I began to realise that the materialism that we have here in Australia, and let's, let's be brutally honest, Australians are materialistic. Mm, mm. By and large, they are, even though some might disagree with me and say we're struggling to put food on the table. We all have aspirations to, uh, you know, get the, the things of this world's goods. Well, when you go to a country like that and you meet people who have been, haven't eaten anything for three days, one of the ministers there told me that they had someone come into the church one Sabbath morning. Uh, the woman came in and stood in the, in the middle of the church and said, can I speak to you, to the minister who was preaching? And he said, what can we do for you? And she said, I have a husband and seven children. We haven't had anything to eat for a week. Now, I just want you to think about that. Mm. So our church put together vegetables and fruit in one bucket and uh, shall we say things like maize and corn and oats and that sort of thing in another bucket and gave that to them. Yeah. Um, I, I realised when I got there how poor they were in this world's goods yeah. but how eagerly they accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ when it was presented to them. Yeah. They'd been through communism for some 70 years and been told there was no God. In fact, they took me to a church in the middle of a cemetery, believe it or not, where they said this is the only church that remained open during the whole time that communism was in control of Moldova. But I remember a young lady by the name of Anna. She wanted me to come to her school. I came to her school and um, they, they um, she got the permission of the teacher and the teacher... Um, was listening as well. Uh, these these were not kids of seven or eight years of age. These were kids, I would say, between about 15 and about 17 mm -hmm. years of age. Mm -hmm. And um, they said to me, uh, what sort of house do you live in? What sort of car do you drive? They even asked me how you play this game, cricket. And I said, what, what do you guys here in Moldova know about cricket? Oh, they'd seen it on cable TV. The World Cup was on, I think, in India or yeah. Sri Lanka at the time. Anyway, the, the, the crucial point that I'd like to make in this is not so much my journey there in that sense. One young man, I still remember him to this day, he, he was Russian. I can't remember his name. I think it was Vladimir, but I'm not sure. He said to me, Mr. Wilkinson, why did you come to our country? And I said, we came to your country not for a holiday. We came to tell you about Jesus Christ. Mm. I said, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. God sent his son. You were told I sent under communism there was no God, and they're all nodding their heads up and down. And I said, well, I'm here to tell you that there is a God in heaven and he loves you. And he sent his son to die on a cross so that you can be saved from your sins mm. and you can come to know Jesus and have a home in heaven. Mm. Now, I, it's not often that you see 16 and 17-year-old kids with tears streaming down their faces, but some of them did. Mm. And I'm not just talking about the girls. Yeah. Uh, even some of the guys were visibly 
affected by what we were saying. I left there and I said, thank you, Lord. I know why you've sent me over here 20,000 kilometres from Adelaide, Mm, (laughs) why I've come to this part of the world. I've come here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who don't even know who you are. And uh, as I transfer that into what happened when I came into ministry, I realise now, Gary, that the most important thing in ministry, when when you're studying the word of God with people, if someone says to you, Pastor Brenton, I'd like to know more about Jesus, where do you start? You start in the Gospels. Mm. I wouldn't start with Genesis, so all about the creation. I wouldn't start in the prophecies, mm-hmm. even though some people mm-hmm. would. I would start with the book of Mark. Yeah. tells you, uh, I call it the all-action gospel. Yeah. It tells you uh, who Jesus Christ was, what he did, and then about the last eight chapters of Mark are all about the journey to Jerusalem where he sacrificed himself mm. on the cross of Calvary. Mm. Um, that's where I recommend... <laughs> People start, I have a friend who's indigenous who rang me and, Pastor, I'd like to study the Bible. I said, read the book of Mark, thinking that, oh, well, she'll, um, over the next six months, she'll do it. She rings me next morning and said, I've finished the book. (laughs) That's 16 chapters. (laughs) What do I do now? I said, read it again. This time, take a pen and paper and make a note of what you're reading. Make a note of it in the sense of put yourself in in the picture of some of the stories that you're listening to. Mm. You're Peter walking on the water and sinking. Um, you're uh, Judas. You're um, uh, some of the other disciples, uh, some of the people who came to Jesus for help, the woman with the, the flow of blood. Um, uh, put yourself into the picture. I said, make it personal that yeah. Jesus is talking to you yeah. personally. And uh, she's she's been doing that. I haven't heard from her for a little while, but she did ring me quite excitedly and said that she was really enjoying studying the Bible that yeah. way. Uh, so, that's very powerful. I, I'm conscious, Brendan, yep. that uh, uh, that our time is starting to run away uh, from us. But I really appreciate okay. that uh, that that story that you shared from Moldova. I know that uh, in ministry, it's uh, it's amazing how many times the Lord uh, leads you to be able to share a word. I I, I know that. Uh, Time after time, I've uh, I've had the privilege of sharing with somebody, and the yes. ho- and the Holy Spirit just puts th- thoughts into your minds that it afterwards you, you turn around and you think, where did that actually come from? Because that That's wasn't right. me; uh, that was uh, that was yeah. the Holy Spirit yeah. working through me. And you well, know, well, I must it. admit that you know, talking to them in the classroom, I was nearly in tears myself when I left. I. I haven't felt as emotional as that for a long time. I thought this might be the only time these young people ever hear about Jesus, ever hear about the love of God. I've got to make everything I say count. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, to me, that passage of Scripture is just so powerful and just says so much. But, Brenton, look, our time is almost up. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for being a God who's prepared to open and close doors. Lord, I want to say thank you for for being the God who's prepared to direct uh, in our lives. Uh, Lord, I Mm. want to say thank you. Uh, for being the God who is almighty and all-powerful. Lord, if there's any of our listeners right now uh, who are struggling, maybe with a health issue, maybe uh, with some financial issue, Lord, maybe with a family or a relationship matter, 
Lord, I just want to pray that you'd be with that individual. I pray that you might uh, touch them. Uh, Lord, that you might act in their life, that they might see that indeed you are the great and powerful God. These things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's uh, up for today. Thank you so much for joining uh, Pastor Pastor Gary and uh, Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we're joined by Pastor David Butcher, who will be sharing some remarkable stories on the way that God has led in his life. Really look forward to uh, being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.